Good morning. I'll tell you between the opening hymn and Don's announcement, because I didn't know that I knew the, the details he was going to cover, but not the scripture or the, or the emphasis. I could have just sat there and say, you know, preach on, go on. Sounds good to me. All right, let's turn to Joshua chapter one. We've embarked on a journey uh, to cover the uh, characters of Joshua and Caleb. I'll also touch on Rahab. Covered Caleb last week. Uh, as I said before, I love talking about these guys. Uh, they're some of my favorite guys. I'm not just talking about my sons. It's kind of all related. Let's turn to Joshua chapter 1, and we're just going to read the first uh, three verses. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. So this is how the book of Joshua begins. As you can see, Joshua has some huge shoes to fill. Huge. Moses is dead. And he is stepping in as the leader after Moses. Imagine if you were him. As it said about Moses, I believe it was at the end of Deuteronomy, when Moses died, there was not a prophet before him, nor was there ever one like him, who the Lord spoke face to face. So then you're the, you're the next guy, you see. And that's where Joshua finds himself. He is to lead an entire nation of about two million people into a land which, really, they've never seen before to conquer an entrenched uh, bunch of different kinds of enemies. How's he going to be able to do this? How would you do it if you were Joshua? Well, let's look at it. Let's do a little background study on Joshua if we could. Why don't we turn to Exodus chapter 17. Let's think about this. Where was Joshua born? He, that's right. He was born in Egypt. So he's, he's a Hebrew born in Egypt. How was he born? What situation was he born under? Oh, okay. So we have... A slave, Jewish guy, born in Egypt, okay? And what was his professional training growing up? Bricks? He's a brick maker. I guess we could call that was a, a mason, brick mason, right? He was a brick maker. He might have also been something else or something else the Jews did there in Egypt. Shepherding, right? So we have a man who probably um, at the Exodus was about 40 years old. Uh, as far as we can do the math on his age. And so he was in a foreign country, leaving that foreign country, and he had the experience of being, for about 40 years, just about how old I am, of, being, of brick making and maybe being a shepherd. Right? Let's turn to Exodus 17, and we'll begin reading at verse 8. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. 
Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Let me ask you a question. Do you see anything strange in that passage? Where's Joshua's qualifications to go out and just battle this unknown people and become suddenly a, 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 a field marshal, a general of the Lord's armies to go out and battle the enemies of the Lord? Where's his qualifications? Wait a second, wait a second. He's, he's, a, he's a purchasing manager. He's a physical therapist, you know? He sells books. He has vacation homes. He's not a field general. He doesn't lead armies. What's his qualifications? Verse 11. So it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let it it down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands on one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua de- defeated Amalek and his people at the edge of the sword. And the Lord said to Moses, Write for memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua. Thou wilt utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called it its name, The Lord is my banner. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Can you relate to Joshua? Are you being put in a situation when the Lord's asking you to do something and you're thinking, you know what, that could possibly be the voice of the Lord, you know, because I've never done that before, you know? I think this can be kind of harder on us older folks. I'm, I'm starting to call myself older folks. Joshua's called a young man, and he's around 40, so I guess it's just kind of in between. But the older you get, you say, well, that's what I do. I run machines. You know, I ride a motorcycle and catch bad guys. That's what I do. You see? And sometimes it's harder when the Lord says, okay, I want you to go do this. Wait, 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 Lord. That's, that's not my gift. My gift's over here. What do you mean do this over here? In evangelistic outreach in foreign languages? How am I going to do that, Lord? What does that tell us about Joshua? What does it tell us about Joshua? When he heard the word of the Lord and the Lord commanded him to do something, the Lord's commandment was the Lord's empowerment. The Lord said, do it. And he says, okay, I can do it. Why? Because the Lord just said so. And the Lord wouldn't ask me to do something I couldn't do. You see? He says, yeah, I got out of his comfort zone. I think it's a big, long ways away from mason work and shepherding to fighting battles and wars. And we're going to see it only gets bigger and heavier from here. His name actually, we, we read that last week, his name was O'Shea, which means help. But Moses changed his name to Joshua, which means what? Jehovah helps. Jehovah saves. Instead of just a general cry or plea for help, it's the help's coming from the Lord. And we could see that was what rang true in his life. Here in the situation with Amalek, he saw that the battle turns according to the Lord. He saw the importance of people praying, interceding, going before the Lord for him. You see? 
And most importantly, what I see in Joshua is I see a flexible, a flexibility. I mean, if I was that young man and Moses said to me, hey, Charlie, why don't you go out and go fight with those guys and, and take them out? I would have just as much experience as Joshua did. You see? But the, he said, you know what? The Lord told me, he can do it, told me to do it. I know I can do it. I know I can do it. Okay, let's turn to Exodus 24 and get a little more background. Let's look at some of the other things that are true in Joshua's life. The Lord told him to do something. He did it. Exodus 24, beginning of verse 12. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and be there. And I will give you tablets of stone and a law and commandments, which I have written, that you may teach them. So Moses arose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, Wait here for us, wait here for us until we come back to you. Indeed, Aaron and Hur are with you. If any man has a difficulty, let him go to them. Then Moses went up into the mountain, and a cloud covered the mountain. Now the glory of the Lord rested on, the, on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on, on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. So Moses went into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Here we see here in verse 13, particularly verse 13, what's going on here? You have a mountain that's on fire, right? The children of Israel have said repeatedly, you know what, Moses, you go talk to the Lord. <laughs> we'll stay over here. The Lord, we're, we're afraid of the Lord. The Lord said it was good that they fear me, that they would recognize his holiness, that he is a holy God. Remember, if anyone came through in a way they weren't supposed to, they were supposed to be thrust through with an arrow. Don't even go after him. You shoot him from a distance with an arrow. But do you see Joshua? Where's Joshua in all this? He's getting as close as he can. I don't think he's over there with the people. And I don't think he's right up there with Moses. But you know what? He, went, he, he rose up with Moses and went as close as he could to that mountain. He was on fire. Was he afraid? I'm sure that he was. But what did he want? I think he wanted to be as close to the Lord as he possibly could. And the fire, the mountain being on fire wasn't going to stop him. It was a holy desire. It was a good desire. Not a over-familiarity, but a desire to be closer to the Lord. Let's look at Exodus chapter 33. Just a couple right turns. Exodus 33, beginning at verse 7 situation is this it's after moses has come down the children of israel had created a golden calf to worship and said this is the lord who brought you out of egypt moses has come down and thrown the tablets and broken them before the children of israel and uh, the lord had plagued uh, the, the people for what they did with the calf that aaron had made it says in verse 35 of chapter 32 
But here, here's what happens next. Verse 7 of chapter 33. Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp. The camp is where all the Israelites were at. He takes his tent and pitches it outside the camp. And he calls it the tabernacle of meeting. Remember, the actual tabernacle, I don't believe, has been built yet. So this is the place where he would meet with God. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose. And each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. And the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp. But his servant, Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. I always thought that was interesting. These little tidbits about Joshua. Lord, why are you telling us these little stories about Joshua? What are the insights you have for us? Again, what do you see Joshua doing? If he has the chance to be as close to where the Lord is at, that's where he's going to be. You see? Uh, people out in the, that were in the camp, they would see Moses go to his tent outside the camp, and they would see, then they would see God meet with Moses, and they would worship from afar. Where's Joshua? He's right there. He's right there at the tabernacle of the meeting. He's right there at Moses' tent. Every time Moses is interacting with God, there's Joshua. What does that speak to you? It speaks to me about a person who wants to be close to the Lord, who takes every opportunity. What did he have? Did he have this? What did he have? He had Moses and the Shekinah glory, which is what we're looking at here. So every chance he got, there he was. And it was nice because he didn't have to go out and meet with the people like Moses did. He could stay there at the meeting. And when Moses came back, he was right there ready. Right there ready for Moses' time with God. Do you find yourself wanting to be as close to God as possible? That's why I appreciated what Don was saying. He said exactly the same words we're going to look at today. Holy committed to the lord what's holy mean it means all it's all there on the table your whole heart what's the lord want from us that we love the lord our god with all our heart all our soul all our mind all our strength the lord isn't to a full commitment he wants us to be fully committed to him and we have ways to draw near to the lord don't we like joshua but better than Joshua. Joshua didn't have this book. This incredible book. This book where you can come and you can meet with the Lord. It's a, it's a living book. It's a sharp book. Like a two-edged sword. It'll hurt and it'll heal. It'll challenge and it'll comfort. It'll exhort It'll rebuke. Why? How does this book do that? It's because it's the Lord's. And in it you find who? You find the Lord Jesus Christ. You find the one who wants to have a relationship, a living, fully committed relationship with each one of us. 
that relationship that dominates our life. He wants to meet with us in this book. Through it, he tells us about himself. He tells us about us. He tells us you're only going to truly be satisfied when you come into a relationship with him. Jesus said this, this is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's what the Lord wants. He wants that fully committed relationship. You see? And we're going to see that's what Joshua had. That's what Caleb had. And I think we're hearing it twice this morning. That's what the Lord wants from us. Holy, committed to the Lord. Life is found in a person. It's Jesus. And it's interesting. We studied this in our Philippians uh, study. I think that's where we, we studied it for the, for the most part, uh, where the emphasis came recently. Also, besides personal devotions, we are commanded, actually, in the New Testament, repeatedly, to follow the examples of others. I think Joshua was following the example of Moses as closely as he possibly could. And we're not going to cover it this morning, but Moses doesn't take it for granted. Moses asked the Lord, Lord, find someone to fill in for me when you take me. And the Lord says, okay, Joshua. You see, it was the Lord's choice. But I could, I could see Joshua following as closely as possible. And the Lord says in the New Testament, repeatedly, follow their example. Paul say, follow my examples. I follow Christ. Take spiritual people... See their example of how they follow the Lord and pattern your life after that. I appreciate one brother was sharing. I said, well, why, do we, why does it say that? He says, well, because there's the Lord and he's wonderful and he's great and he's perfect. But if I could aim just at someone a lot lower, like maybe, maybe Charlie, you know, I got a better shot. You know, I have something I can see in front of me and I can keep in mind. Of course, we got to spit out the seeds because we're all sinners. And so that made me think about this assembly. We talked about seeing people saved. Well, what's the next step? Seeing people grow. And that's going to happen two ways. It's going to happen by us individually being in the word of God on a daily basis. It said Jesus, it was his daily practice. He would get up a great while before day and go out to a, a quiet place and be with his father. That was his daily practice. If he, being the son of God, felt the need for that, <laughs> how much more we? Some people have said, before, I, before you go out to see the face of man, see the face of God first. And then seeing the face of man would be a lot easier. But beyond that, how, how, how else are we going to grow? It's called discipleship. Moses was doing it with Joshua. It's something I think was more predominant amongst the churches that I've seen and I think I've seen it wane. What discipleship are we involved in? Now, this, if you're here this morning and you're a new believer, maybe, you're, maybe you don't even know the Lord. We'll be talking about that in a moment. Maybe, maybe you're a new believer. Well, you know what? You're not expected to, to disciple other people, but you're expected to want to be discipled. Joshua pursued this relationship. Joshua wanted to grow closer to the Lord. And he saw who's the one close, be closer to the Lord. That's Moses. I'm going to go be with Moses. 
So if you're a new believer and you're confident you couldn't disciple someone else, let us know. We'll find someone to work with you. But I would go as far as to say there's quite a few here known the Lord for 5, 10, 15 years. Maybe we should be discipling. And if we don't have someone to disciple, maybe we should be praying about it. Lord, we're wholly committed to the Lord. The Lord wants to see the saints grow. Then what we need to do, Lord, give me someone to work with. Ah, give me someone to see saved. And then someone who wants to grow. He will come and ask, could you help me grow? I don't understand. Can you teach me? What are we talking about? We're talking about the growth of the church, aren't we? We're talking about multiplication. I think for a lot of, for a lot of people here, a lot of this is as we're old hat. It's what we're familiar with. But as Don said, are we using it? Are we doing it? There's a lot of room there for application. I appreciate Joshua wanting to be discipled by Moses. He didn't care if it meant going outside the camp. Joshua was all there by himself, especially when Moses was gone, but he didn't care. If it means being looked at as being strange and I'm getting discipled, you know what? As long as it's going to grow my relationship with the Lord, that's what I want. I don't care how it appears to others, even if it's outside the camp, as it were. What did this lead to? This desire to be closer to the Lord. Turn to Numbers chapter 32. The context here is they're going into the land soon and uh, some of the tribes are are uh, negotiating about staying east of the Jordan but they'll send their army in with the rest of the folks and and camp out but the excuse me Moses is rehearsing to them what had happened what we read about last week at Kadesh Barnea numbers 32 and beginning at verse 11 uh, actually we'll start at verse 10 so the Lord's anger was aroused on that day and he swore an oath saying surely none of the men who came up from Egypt from 20 years old and above shall see the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. That was already in my notes. Don and I weren't comparing notes when we got up. You see, I think the Lord's trying to speak to us. Wholly following the Lord, you see. Moses is reciting to the, the Reubenites and Gadites and the half-tribe of, uh, of Manasseh, look, don't discourage the people. We had those ten guys before. Look what happened to them. They died. And they discouraged the whole people, ruined everything for 40 years. And there's only two who were wholly given to the Lord. Two, really, when you think about it, that's about two million. It was Caleb and Joshua. They are ready to do Whatever the Lord wanted, whenever the Lord wanted. Give the word, Lord, we'll do it. Okay, let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 34. That focus, that desire, that all coupled, it all went with the fact that they were wholly following the Lord. Deuteronomy 34 and verse 9. 
this is the uh, just a, a chapter or, or a, excuse me. I guess I got the right book. This is just the uh, chapter before what we were reading earlier, verse nine. Now Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. You see, Joshua was ready to step up. Why? There's only one way he could be ready. He's been wholly committed to following the Lord. He'll never be as great as Moses. He's not trying to be. He doesn't want to be. He just wants to do what the Lord would have him do. And, he, and, he, and that's where he's at. And that's where we find ourselves in Joshua chapter 1. That's a little background on our friend Joshua up to this point. So let's read Joshua chapter 1 verses 1 through 9 again. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward that for the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it, meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Wow. Is that encouragement or what? It's like you wake up to the, wake up to that every morning, couldn't you? God's encouraging Joshua. He says, look, I am, I am giving it to them. Every place the sole of your foot trods, I have given you. Listen to the tense. I have given you. It's done. You just got to go in and take it. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, Joshua. As long as you're living, you're following me, they're all mowed down. It's not a problem. Listen to this. As I was with Moses, so I shall be with you. Oh. You know that kid right in the heart. Because he could see how close God was with Moses. And he could say, maybe I don't speak to him face to face like Moses did, but I know God's with me. And I don't have to fear. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Does that sound familiar? Be strong and of good courage. You shall divide to this people the land which I swore to their fathers. 
I did swear you will give it to him. This should sound very familiar. Brothers and sisters, this is the same promises we have in the New Testament. Think about it. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and you will make disciples of all the nations. You're going to go because we know in heaven there will be one from every tribe, kindred, nation, and tongue. And we're seeing that fulfilled today. I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. You did not choose me, but I chose you, Jesus said. And appointed you, appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Ask anything in my name, and I will do it. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Grace, peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. What's all that saying? The Lord has given us everything. All things pertain to life and godliness. He's promised us his presence. He says, I am going to build my church. What's left? We just got to go forward. One of the things Don was mentioning about gifts and exercising gifts, and we've talked about this before, one of the things we were praying for is praying for gifts. I would say that uh, uh, Calvary has been fairly well gifted in the area of teaching and preaching. Pray for evangelists. Pray you might be the evangelist and you don't know it. Be open to it. Do the work of an evangelist and pray for an evangelist. Why? Because the Lord's going to build his church. He's going to be with us. We're walking with the Lord. He's going to, he's going to bless. We, like Joshua, should be strong and very courageous. God has given us so many great and precious promises. For us to see his kingdom grow in us and through us, what do we lack? Ask yourself this morning, do we see the kingdom of God growing? Do we see the Lord's work in us and through us? Are we wholly given to the Lord? You know, I see it. I see it in some people. I see it in some young people. I see it in some older people. But I don't think we see it in all. Why is it? It's because we're not wholly following the Lord. An old preacher used to call it this. He called it defective consecration. I've never forgotten that. What does that mean, defective consecration? Or defective sanctification if you're a believer jesus bought you and every believer here would say yeah jesus died for me he bought me i'm his you see and positionally that's true but there's something we have to do about that as a believer we need to present ourselves don't we we need to present ourselves to the lord and sometimes we present you know 
this much. Or we present maybe nine fingers. But it's not two open hands. It's not wholly committed to the Lord. There's something missing. There's something amiss. There's something wrong. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's a fear of something. Maybe it's fear in general. If I give, if I give the Lord everything, can I really trust Him? Can I really, is He really who He says He is? And if I do what He says, will He really take care of me? It's doubt. Maybe it's disappointment. My marriage, my children, my job, my life. It hasn't turned out the way I wanted it to. I had this idea of how the Lord was going to take care of me, but I've got this instead. That's a major joy killer, isn't it? It's a major joy killer. How can you tell that that's going on in, in, in the life, in your life? When you spend a lot of time trying to change what the Lord has given you, to make it the way you want, that's where you spend all your time and energy in the flesh trying to manipulate things and situations instead of accepting from the Lord what He's given you and then focusing on what He wants instead. Maybe it's pride. Well, if I do that, it will go against my, con- my convictions. You know, when I said I would never do that. I think sometimes we say things that we'll never do. And I wonder, did the Lord ever say that? Was that just our definition of convictions? Who are you following? Jesus or your convictions? Sometimes they're not the same. Maybe it's an object, a car, a house, something or another. Well, sure, if the if the Lord were to speak to me about it. Well, that's one of the easiest, way to know, easiest ways to know the Lord is speaking to you about it. Because the Lord already said, he who does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Oftentimes, he's already spoke to us about it. What are we doing? We're just debating in our minds. No, that really can't be that. That really can't be the Lord. It is. It's him. Give it to him. Give it to him today. Cut it off. Pluck it out. Throw it away. Give it to him. Maybe it's gross, unsightly sin. That sin that you don't think anybody sees. That secret sin. You know there are no secret sins. What we do in the dark places... And the darkness is an open scandal in heavenly places. Oh, how the Son of God must grieve with our sinful behavior, thinking it was okay because it was just in our minds. Oh, it was just by ourselves. Ignoring the presence of the Spirit of God within. The omnipresence of God without. Not to mention angelic hosts, both fallen and unfallen, always watching. 
There are no secret sins. I've become convinced of that. Sin affects others. Even the most remote sin, most infection in your body, will affect the other parts of your body. And it often spreads. We have great and precious promises before the Lord. And I'm excited about what the Lord's done in our lives. The Lord has changed things at Calvary Bible Chapel. I look back over 20 years ago or 10 years ago or even 5 years ago. And things are different. We have great and precious promises before the Lord. And I was exercised about all these things before the Lord myself. And so I share with you, brother and sister, this morning. If there's anything like that that's keeping you from being wholly committed to the Lord. Deal with it today. Deal with it today. Jesus is calling us to walk with him. It's a victorious walk. It's a walk filled with joy. We should have those testimonies where people see, look at those Christians. Why why are they always smiling? Where's this joy come from? Why do they love each other so? The Lord is saying to us today, now therefore arise, go, go over, you and all this people to the land which I'm giving to them. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given you. No man should be able to stand before you all the days of your life, as I was with Moses and Joshua and all the, all the believers, all the saints, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. Only be strong and very courageous. This book shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. That you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's pray. Lord, we do want to thank you. We want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you, Lord, that you would save us and call us into this relationship with you. We see Joshua and his commitment to you that he wholly followed the Lord. And Lord, we see that that's what is needed in our lives today. Lord, I thank you for speaking to me about areas, issues in my life. I thank you for the victories that you have won. And Lord, I, I, I pray you might win more in the future, more today. And Lord, I pray for everyone here, Lord. As we think of how you've led us and where you're taking us, Lord, we pray that you would convince each heart here what's holding them back from being wholly committed to the Lord, like Caleb, like Joshua. Lord, you know we're not talking about perfection but we're talking about a full commitment to you. One where you get the glory out of our lives that you so richly deserve. So Lord, today we ask you to help us. Speak to our hearts, speak to our minds. As you say in your word, Lord, you promise that you who have begun a good work in us will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And that you are in us to will and to do that which is your good pleasure. And so Lord, we ask you, like you took Joshua into the land and brought victory, pray you would bring your victory into our lives. 
that walls might be torn down, sins might be cut off, and you, Lord, would get the glory you deserve, that we might bear the fruit that you promised, because you chose us to bear fruit, the fruit that would remain. So, Lord, we commend ourselves to you this morning, and we thank you in Jesus' name.